What's your biggest fear? It's holding you back right now on your own journey of growth at your bank, at your credit union, or at your fintech. Is it fear of the unknown? Is it fear of change? Maybe it's fear of failure, or perhaps it's fear of success. Well, have no fear because on today's episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast, Audrey and I are going to take you behind the cover to show you how you can maximize your growth by transforming your fears into your biggest opportunities. Greetings and hello, my name is James Robert Lay, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Behind the Cover series where Audrey Kanata and I, our operations lead here at the Digital Growth Institute, are gonna take you behind the cover of a very controversial book that was written all the way back in 1938. In fact, this book, written by Napoleon Hill, was so controversial, it was not published until 2011. Now, Napoleon Hill is most well known for his book, Think and Grow Rich, which I do recommend reading. However, it's in his book that we're going to be discussing today, Outwitting the Devil, that I have personally found to be far more important, far more important than Think and Grow Rich, because Outwitting the Devil, for me personally, has been a truly transformative read on my own journey of growth, my personal journey of growth, my professional journey of growth. And I find myself now recommending outwitting the devil more and more to financial brand leaders who are confronted with what feels like exponential, never-ending confusion, complexity, conflict, chaos. As we've now entered into the world full of exponential change that I say started all the way back in March of 2020. Having read Outwitting the Devil a couple of times now, I even see opportunities for financial brand leaders to apply the insights, to apply the thinking that Napoleon Hill shares, to guide people, to guide their account holders, their members, beyond the financial fears that keep them trapped in a cycle of scarcity, maybe even debt, to guide them beyond that pain in the present moment towards an even bigger, better, and brighter future. A future full of hope, full of opportunity, full of abundance. But first, I'd like to invite you to like this video or hit the subscribe button if you're watching this podcast on YouTube or if you're tuned in listening on one of the very many podcast players this podcast streams on throughout the world. I invite you to subscribe because when you subscribe, you instantly become part of an ever-growing community of financial brand leaders who are committed to learning how they can maximize their future growth by guiding people in the communities they serve beyond financial stress towards that even bigger, better, and brighter future. So let's go ahead and dive into Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Welcome back to the show, Audrey. It is always good to share time with you to go behind the cover together. Thank you, James Robert. I'm so happy to be back and, and talking about this book. I think you recommended it well over a year ago, and it took me a while, a few, a few starts and stops to get into it. Uh, but once I did, gosh, I think I finished it in a day or two. I'm so glad that you did because sometimes, you know, the books that we read are at the right times that we need to read them. And the first time it wasn't the right time, uh, but then you came back and it was the right time. Uh, I even think back to whenever I read this book, it was back in 2017, actually no, it was 2019 and uh, finished it in just a couple of days. And before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I always want to start with 
one simple transformative question. This one question is a, is a fantastic way actually to outwit the devil, uh, which is why I'm mindful of starting every conversation with this question. And I invite the, the dear listener to do the same when having a conversation with their team, when having a conversation even with their family, uh, their spouse, their kids. And that question is what has been going well? What has been going well for you, Audrey, personally or professionally? Yeah, so this is uh, really on the personal and professional side of things, but I just finished my 500th class at F45, which is a a functional fitness gym. Uh, I started that about two and a half years ago, coming out of 2020. And, you know, like many of us, I was feeling sluggish, you know, mind, lots going on in our minds. And um, it's just been a really fun journey. And, you know, I can say that I've never felt stronger, uh, better, happier, and just overall, I think my mental health is fantastic. And and as you know, that that bleeds over into your your personal life and then your professional life. So yeah, really excited about that milestone for sure. It it really is a milestone, and I think you know each time I hear you reaching you know 100, 200, 300, 400, now 500 classes uh, of F45 you are continuously making an investment into your physical well-being which is having a positive impact on your your mental well-being and then i would also say is also helping you your financial well-being too indirectly because these are three points that are all interconnected but whether or not we're talking about uh, physical fitness mental fitness or mental wellness financial wellness there's often one thing that holds us back from achieving our future goals, from achieving the bigger, better, brighter future that we're all working towards. And that one thing, it's fear. And I wanna go back in time uh, to when you were a kid. What was the biggest fear that you faced as as a child growing up? Gosh, that is hard. I was definitely the kid that was afraid of everything. I mean, thunderstorms, uh, tornadoes, fires, elevators. I was scared of elevators. Really? Uh, Yeah, it's very strange. I was definitely a very scared kid, uh, very shy, quiet. But I think the one that probably plagued me the most just because it just occurred so often was I was terrified to get in trouble at school or, you know, be embarrassed at school or Mm. get something wrong at school. I mean, I tell my kids that I can count on one hand the amount of times I got in trouble at school. I was terrified. Um, And, and, you know, as far as uh, my grades. I mean, man, I studied and aced everything. I did not want to get anything wrong. Uh, I would get butterflies when the teacher would start calling on students for for answers and and terrified I would get it wrong and feel stupid uh, or embarrassed. Um, I can remember reading out loud and if I didn't know how to pronounce a word, I was just mortified. And so I think while, yeah, I made a lot of good grades in school and I you know, didn't get in trouble. I think that fear kind of kept me from, you know, a lot of enjoyment and just Uh, creative thinking. And I was just, I mean, I was all about the grades and and getting things right. It's interesting to hear you perceive yourself in reflection. You were very frightful. Um, You had a lot of fear as a child. I'm, I'm curious as to what have 
you know, perhaps was the root cause of that. And the reason that I, I'm asking is, is I too, I would say I, I had a lot of fear growing up. Um, you know, my biggest fear uh, back, back in the day was a fear of death. It was a fear of dying. And that was very closely tied to, I think, you know, health. Um, a lot of that was my environment that I was around growing up. And even, even as a kid of the eighties, um, I remember being like third or fourth grade asking my mom, am I going to die of AIDS? Because that's all I heard every evening, 5 30 PM, the, the world news report or whatever it was back then. And over time you continuously hear death dying it's going to impact you in one way or another in this particular case it was very negative but i i made a very conscious decision over time to out with the devil um and we're going to talk about this connection between the quote unquote devil that napoleon hill writes about in in his book and fear so for me a lot of this was environmental I would yeah. say, what, what about you? Cause if you look in reflection of w- what terrified you as a child, what's yeah, I mean, I can think of, of watching the news. I mean, I was in elementary school when Columbine happened and that was terrifying. Uh. Um, also it was that time where there was a lot of like child kidnappings you would hear about. Yep. I mean, I was scared to walk to the mailbox. Yep. Um, so I think seeing that at a young age and just being around, I mean, some of the shows that we were watching Very true. Uh, back then, I mean, I had older brothers and like unsolved mysteries. Do you uh, remember that? Yes. Or, or like rescue nine one one. Of course. I mean, those would be on the TV. And I would see these horrific things and, and be terrified. So, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with our environment and what we're, what we're paying attention to. There's, definitely i think you know some unintended trauma that we experience by watching and and perceiving these visual images um as a child i it, it, I'll, I'll stay on this just for a bit longer um because it's it's an interesting reflection i would have never i mean and, and to think how long i've known you and we've worked together i would have never i would have never thought that that would have been you as a child like the scared kid um, because I think about what you've been doing and I know it took a lot of courage to even have the first podcast conversation, yet alone yeah. now here we are having this fear for sure, having this conversation with, with, with this whole new visual video element. But one of my biggest fears, and I can pinpoint this even to, to this very day, I am terrified of wolves. Never seen a wolf in real life. Um, you know, don't really spend that that much time in the great outdoors where you would. I love I love the beach, but not in an environment where you would see wolves. But the reason for that, the never ending story. Yeah. The wolf in the never ending story terrified me as a child. The way that it would talk and its teeth and its voice and its tone and and once again, there's this environmental factor that I think we should all be mindful of because here you are today, you know, leap ahead. What, what would have happened if you let your fears of childhood 
control you and influence you to this point in your life, how would, yeah. how would things be different for you? I think I'd be, I'd be very complacent. Um, I think, you know, I've taken a lot of risks mm. um, just in the last decade of my life, which is far. I mean, I was a play it safe kind of kid. I was not a risk taker. And even still to this day, uh, I'm pretty risk averse. And, yeah. and naturally with, with my Colby score, you know, I'm a, a, on the lower end of, the, of a quick start. And so I'm naturally like that and, and protective. But I would not be, you know, the opportunities that I've had because of those risk taking, because I knew that, you know, the future uh, could be bigger and better and brighter. And mm. I wanted to see it through. And I think that's, you know, a lot of it has to come down to just facing your fears and realizing that I can do more more than I think I can, you know, and James Robert, I credit you a lot because you have pushed me, you know, out of my comfort zone. And, you know, I've had these like self-limiting beliefs, like, oh, I'm not good at that. That's not for me. You know, I'm a, I'm a behind the scenes kind of person. Um, and you know, it, it messes with our self, our self-conscious, um, you know, we're very self-conscious and even with, we don't have any reason to be because we don't know if we don't try. And, right. and I think there's a lot of talents and and good things that can be done if we just take the time to to explore and and you know have a growth mindset and not not be limited by you know this this fear you know it's it's interesting you say i push you out of your comfort zone i would look at it differently because that's how you perceive things but i think about you and and the coaching that i do internally with within the organization i think about the coaching that i do with financial brand leaders i i don't perceive myself. I don't push anyone. I just provide a path and it's your decision. It's your choice of whether or not you want to go down that path. And I'm very respectful. Like if yeah. you don't want to do this, I completely understand, but yep. he, he, let's just try it and let's just see how it feels and move forward with that. Because I think yep. your Colby, which we've talked about a lot, and and you do a lot of work with Colby profiles with financial brand leaders. Your Colby profile is very similar to financial brand leaders, yeah. um, where I'm at the exact kind of opposite end of the spectrum of how I initiate action or solve problems um, as an entrepreneur. Um, I'm way more, I would say risk doesn't bother me. Um, I'm, 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 I'm not going to say I'm not risk adverse, but it's it's a different way of perceiving, I would say, risk. Uh, I almost get energy from that being on the edge, kind of jumping out of the airplane, which I have not done. I would love to, actually, um, and not scared of that. But I am. <laughs> um, but I just haven't had the opportunity. So I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, when we're talking about Napoleon Hill's outwitting the devil and fear, why why might it be such an important book for financial brand leaders to consider reading either as an individual or even even as a team especially in a time right now when so many are feeling confused and they're feeling frustrated and they're feeling overwhelmed burned out by all of this exponential change that we've experienced going back to March of 2020 why now yeah you know, I think one of the biggest insights and, and kind of like aha moments that I had while reading this book was how much 
uh, fear has been instilled in us since childhood, kind of coming back to that childhood conversation. Sure. And it's almost at this subconscious level where yes. it is so ingrained in us that we don't even realize we are operating from a place of fear. It's just second nature. And so I think it really opened my eyes to things like, well, one of the reasons it was so um, controversial was the criticism on the church and the schooling. And I, you know, I was a teacher yes, myself and- I was shocked to, to think about, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about all this fear we're instilling in our kids. We're limiting them from being creative thinkers and thinking on their own. And, and, you know, in the church, you know, we, we teach them to fear, or we others teach to fear God or, or not, sorry, not fear God, fear the devil or fear displeasing God. And so I think it really kind of gives us this um, fear of failure and doing the wrong thing. Mm. And it, you know, teaches us to be a little bit more conservative in our thinking. And so it really opened my eyes to how much this has just been a pattern in our lives and how we can, you know, we can make the shift. We can make the mindset shift and operate uh, from a fear, uh, a place of, of faith versus fear. Fantastic point. Faith versus fear. And, and, and I think, you know, this isn't necessarily from a traditionally religious context. Um, I look at this from a sense of personal growth. I look at this from a sense of professional growth. I even think about personally how my own relationship with God has transformed over time because growing up in a Protestant home, I was very fearful um, and maybe that was my fear of death was the fear of hell um, and that fire and that brimstone growing up, you know, in the South Southern Baptist Protestant. If you, if you know, you know, um, but that will impact you going forward. And I've done a lot of, of work and reflection over the years, um, you know, as an individual, even as a, as a spouse, as a father, as an entrepreneur, working with other entrepreneurs who've, who've walked a very similar journey as my own, and, and we begin to transform those self-limiting beliefs into future growth opportunities, but it only happens if we're mindful and if we're aware. And the, back to your point, the challenge is that a lot of the fear that that holds us back is at a subconscious level, so we just lack the awareness. And this is one of the reasons I greatly appreciate the opportunity to coach financial brand leaders because it's just simply helping to surface some of the things that they might not be consciously aware of. And I've written about what I call the four fears that hold financial brands back from maximizing their future growth potential. It, it's fear of the unknown. It's fear of change. You just mentioned this one. It's fear of, of, of failure, which is I would say very closely related to something that you were talking about when reflecting on your childhood, it's the fear of rejection. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then to open my thoughts, it's, it's fear of success as well, which to be quite honest with, with you and just kind of just the world, I would say that's probably the one that I struggle with the most. And I don't know why I'm still trying to figure that one out, but I do know it's a self-limiting belief that holds me back from, doing certain things that, but I, I'm, I choose not to let it hold me back. I just got to figure out how to transform that fear 
into fuel for future growth because oftentimes fear is nothing more than just false evidence appearing real. And um, it's the, they're just nightmares we create in our own minds from past experiences that we are reliving in the context of the present moment, or we're thinking about a future experience that we have not lived yet, but it is being informed by either the past or the present. And, and let's come back to what you were sharing. This is all about making a, a conscious decision. Are we going to build a foundation of future growth on fear, or are we going to build a foundation of future growth on faith? Let's get back to the book. Why might this be one of the most important decisions we make, both personally, but but just as important professionally as a leader? Yeah, and I mean, I think faith, it, it really is, you know, it's this belief and this trust that the future is going to be, you know, brighter and better. Um, and I think, you know, when you build a foundation on trust, you are gaining, you know, just this mental uh, and spiritual freedom um, and, and really thinking about it, like you said, you know, outside of the context of, of religion, it's, it's really, you know, opening the door to new possibilities and new opportunities and, and giving you, you know, the freedom to explore and, and to see where, you know, you can go and, and to try new things and to give you, you know, the courage and the confidence to, to do something and, and achieve more and work towards this greater purpose where, you know, fear, it is just, it's limiting and it, and it holds us back. And, you know, we don't get to, you know, achieve our full potential. Um, and so I think it, it is a very important decision to make, but one that is, that is challenging and tough because it takes so much self-awareness. It takes a lot of constant reflection and, uh, you know, thinking, th thinking about things and being really intentional with your decisions. Um, you know, I think about one of the, uh, the future growth maximizer yes. that we do, our future growth focuser, I'm sorry. And, you know, when we have a new idea, we'll, we'll write through it, we'll journal through it and we'll talk about what are the greatest opportunities? What's the best case scenario? What is the worst case scenario? And that way we can really see, okay, what are the opportunities? What's the worst case? And we can kind of acknowledge that fear. We can give it an outlet. We can talk mm. about that fear, but then recognize it and not let it hold us back. Because a lot of times when you see that on paper, you're like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's not that, you know, big of a deal if, if this doesn't work out. So I think, you know, really thinking about faith versus fear and just being really conscious of that. You know, you, you mentioned confidence with your, your previous thoughts here on faith. And I just Googled faith definition and it is a noun and it is defined as complete trust or confidence in someone or something and, you know, another way to look at this is faith, when we're thinking about the future, it's the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not yet seen. And so when we think about faith and the connection with confidence, I've talked at length on this podcast about how there's a confidence crisis right now in banking, in financial services from the perspective of people, of, of account holders, of consumers, of members. And when you think about there's a confidence crisis, we could even say that there's a, there's a crisis of, of faith um, when it comes to f banking with, within the macro level. And so this is why I think 
having this conversation, uh, facilitating it, thinking about it, writing through it back to your point, it provides a whole new perspective to consider into how fear might actually be limiting our growth, which I'm curious to get your take on this when, when thinking about Napoleon Hill's insights and outwitting the devil, how exactly might fear limit our growth potential? I think it, it prevents us from, you know, because we have so many doubt and, and so many insecurities, it, it prevents us from exploring growth opportunities, um, reaching our, our full potential, um, you know, growing intellectually, you know, taking time to, to think about how I can learn and, and get better and what opportunities uh, there might be for me. I think, you know, operating from fear, it limits our creativity, mm. you know, our ability to, to critically think about things. And, and we end up just kind of drifting along, drifting through life. And Napoleon Hill writes about, about being a drifter and, and how, you know, nine, the, the devil controls, you know, 98% of the population through this, this, this pattern of drifting along where you're not really thinking for yourself. You're kind of just going with the motions. You're, you're complacent. Uh, you're not, you know, striving, striving to be better. You're not striving towards a purpose. You're just kind of floating along. And, you know, I don't, I don't know about, you know, the rest of you guys, but that's, that's no way that I want to, I want to live my life. You know, I, I want to come back to two points on this first in regards to the educational system. You were a teacher. My mom was a teacher. I think about going through the educational system here in the United States and, you know, as a kid coming home with C's or D's, red, red marks all over the paper, um, it, it frustrated me. Um, I felt like I felt like a failure. Um, and I hated the, the, the shame that was associated with that. Now, as a father of four, I'll never forget this experience because my, my, my son who is in third grade going to fourth grade, but when he was in third grade was struggling and truth be told, he's like me has some ADD and what, when he's really focused on something, he's, he will get really into it. But for a lot of things that he just doesn't care about, he just doesn't care. Um, and instead of shaming that, um, he is super creative. The, the, the boy has the mind of an engineer, the 3d modeling that he's doing with pretty much cardboard and paper and the perspective and the scale, it blows my mind. And so, and I think a lot of it, how I'm handling him comes from outwitting, reading, outwitting the devil and being mindful of, as a parent, the influence either positively or negatively I have over my kids' future growth potential um, and how they handle and deal with fear themselves. And when he came home, he had, you know, it was this Friday folder and he had a ton of D's and C's and red marks all over the paper. And I said, well, how does that make you feel? And he just burst into tears and says, Dad, I'm, I'm a failure. I'm, I'm, I'm no good. I said, hold up, son. Just stop. And like, I felt it in my heart of hearts. I said, hold up, man. Let's first and foremost get something out of the way. What's on this paper right now is nothing more than marks in a temporary moment in time that shows you where you can grow and be even better. 
This does not define who you are as an individual. And literally, I could feel the burden from him lift, and he had the freedom to be himself. And that was one of the most beautiful moments that I've had as a father to give him that opportunity to lift that burden from him so he didn't have to carry that through life because I could just see his personality. It's just going to drag him down over time, over time, over time. Yep. So that's that's the first point I wanted to come back to. The second point, though, is we've been talking about outwitting the devil, quote unquote. And I think it's interesting the way that Napoleon has written this book. He puts the devil on trial. Um, yeah. And it's a very philosophical, it reminds me of um, like C.S. Lewis um, and uh, Screwtape Letters. Um, when, when, when you think about this, and I think this is for the reader to interpret, what's, what, what's the devil? Did he really interview the devil? Or is the devil in his own mind? And because we're all human beings, we have similar patterns and tendencies. Um, who's the devil that he's writing about here? We'll never know. <laughs> we right. don't know who the devil is. Uh, you know, I think it could be, it could be your, he talks about your other self. Yeah. Um, it could be just, I think the, the way the devil describes himself in the book is, is all the negative energy, all the negative energy that takes up, you know, space and, and, and earth and, and on the flip side, you know, God being all of the positive energy. And so I do think it's, it's certainly a metaphor. Um, not so convinced, uh, the red horned and, and red tailed devil was, yeah. was there with him, but I think it really was, uh, I think it was a I think really think it was a conversation with himself. You know, you kind of have these two sides. Well, we have the devil and the angel on your side. And I think sure. that's how we all, that's how we all, uh, you know, we're, we're made is, is we have where we are made up of negative and positive energy. And so I think it was like almost a, an inter conversation with himself. And, the, and that's where we have a choice. We have agency of, of who we're going to give power and authority to, because when it comes to the subject of fear, and I often see this, um, once again, being common patterns of people that I observe, I watch, I, I pick up on whether it's the, their personal patterns, their professional patterns. And oftentimes those are intertwined. Um, they avoid thinking about, they avoid talking about addressing, working through their fears on their own journeys of growth. Why is it important that we as leaders must master our mind, which I say is the most important technology to master in the age of AI? Why, why must we master our mind and our mindsets in a world that feels like ever-growing uncertainty, chaos, complexity, et cetera. Yeah. Well, you know, your, your mind and your mindset is the only thing that you have complete control over and complete agency over. Uh, we cannot help a lot of things that happen to us, a lot of the changes that occur, a lot of the negative situations that we're in. The only thing that we can control is how we respond to how we react how we internalize things, our mindset. And so this is, you know, this is one of the reasons I'm such a big advocate for, for everyone reading Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is the Way, because it really shows you the power 
of that shifting in the mindset from the negative to the positive and, and how, you know, whether or not things happen to you that are out of your control, uh, it, it's up to you, whether you let it cripple you and, and take you down or whether you find the obstacle, the opportunity in the way. And so I think that mindset is, it's, it's where it starts. It's everything starts from within, from your mind and, and how you respond and react to the events around you, because there is chaos. You know, this is not, I don't think we talk about like right now and the present moment and all the chaos, but it's never going to go away. And no. in the history of time, we're always going to be plagued by, you know, difficult situations and things going on that are out of our control. You know, it's, it's going to be different uh, throughout time, different circumstances, but it's not going anywhere. And so we have to make a commitment within, yeah. um, you know, with our mindset on how we're going to approach things. And, and really it's a ripple effect. And so when you're talking about a team, you know, it's got to start with that one person and hopefully attract more and more, and then get your team on the same mindset and then your organization. And then you can roll that into, you know, your account holders, people in the communities that you serve. And so I think really focusing on that commitment individually first, and then working with your, with your teams from there. You, you mentioned a couple of really good points. Um, uh, Going back to episode 245 of this podcast, you and I went behind the cover of Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacle is the Way, which I recommend as a follow-up listen to this podcast. I, You know this. I This is one of those podcasts that I share very frequent yeah. with financial brand leaders, and it gives them a whole new way of thinking. I, I think the other thing that you mentioned that is important to loop back around on is all transformation that leads to future growth starts within it starts with yourself and this is why when we're talking about leadership i think and and i had this conversation with bo mcdonald um from your marketing company on his podcast when i think about leadership particularly leadership in the age of ai we must lead ourselves first before we have an opportunity not even an opportunity we must lead ourselves first before even given the opportunity because leadership is, is it's, it's a, it's a, it's an opportunity. It's a gift. If we're given the gift to lead others, we, we need to make sure that we're leading ourselves accordingly first and foremost within our own mind and mindsets. And that's where, you know, it, it, he didn't really touch on it in, in this book, like he did in thinking grow rich Napoleon Hill, but it was, um, and uh, the, the idea of the mastermind, when you bring a group of people together who share a common purpose, who share a, a common commitment a, to a cause greater than the present moment, those minds come together to create an exponential multiplier. And I think the more that we think about those opportunities to bring people, to bring communities together, uh, of people, whether that be internal cohorts to learn and grow together, or even bringing account holders to learn and grow together. This is how we get beyond the chaos of and the complexity of the present moment. Back to your point, which, which is we're always going to, to have, let's get even more practical. Um, you know, how can we do this? What are some of the recommendations that Napoleon Hill makes to master our mindsets? Um, I think first and foremost, it really takes having a purpose, having mm -hmm. a purpose that is, that is greater than yourself, something to, 
to work towards something, um, you know, to keep you disciplined, to keep you focused. I think that's where a lot of us struggle is because we go through life without a purpose, without this greater goal. Um, and then we're not working towards something. I think it's really important because that's what kind of, it, it alters your decisions. Every Why is that? You're working towards a purpose. Everything you do then you know goes back to that purpose why why do you why do you believe that's the case and this is something that you know i've looked at research around um uh, i think it was brian tracy who, who shared that 98 percent of people either do not have defined goals or they do not revisit them on a daily basis why, why do we, and, and when you don't have those goals defined, you don't have that purpose, that vision. And, and once again, I think this is why this conversation is so important. When we're thinking about the future of financial services, if we're working with people who really don't have clarity into what their futures are as account holders, what an amazing gift to provide them with a form, a place to gain clarity into the, what their futures could even be in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when you select a purpose or a goal, you're then able to kind of work backwards and think of, okay, what are the steps that I need to do? What are the things that I need to do to, to reach that goal? And it kind of, you know, sets you up with this plan, you know, to, to keep focused, to keep motivated and to keep, you know, disciplined. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to know what to do. I mean, I know for me, I've got certain financial goals that I just started making, you know, in the last six months. And, it is altering my decision-making every single day. If I didn't have those, I mean, I didn't have a lot of financial goals up until a few years ago. And guess what? My finances reflected that, you know, mm. tremendously because I wasn't caring about anything bigger. I wasn't looking towards the future. It was those day-to-day habits. And then I realized, you know, years later, you're like, what was that all for? You know, what do I have to show for this? I don't have anything you know, that's keeping me making good decisions and staying focused. So it all starts with that purpose or that goal and then really working backwards. Working backwards and committing to play a long game. Um, And I think that's the thing. When we're talking about transformation of any type, whether it's, you know, digital transformation, uh, brand transformation, cultural transformation within an organization or, uh, financial transformation for account holders. You know, you you opened up this conversation. Five hundred uh, classes in F forty five. That's you're 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 continuously transforming your health and well being physically. The pattern is the same. It's all human transformation. And you know, one of the things that Napoleon writes about, and and I touched on this before. I want to loop back to this as we start to wrap up the conversation, but. It's the role of environment um, and and how we must be aware of our environment. How does our environment impact us in the present moment to either establish and expand our future on a foundation of faith, i.e. confidence, or that of fear? I think when you're thinking about your environment, um, the first place to look is who are you spending your time with? Um, are you spending time with people who are going to positively influence you, who support you, believe in you, make you want to be a better person? I know as cliche as that sounds, um, you know, uh, Jim Rohn, I think is the one who said yes. you are the average of the five people that you spend the most of your time with, you know, it's, it's the company you keep. So 
it's easy. You know, I, I have had, you know, relationships in my life, personal and professional that were just negative and they were draining and, you know, it, it didn't serve me well. And it brought me down. It didn't make me want to be a better person. And then I've entered into relationships personally and professionally where it was like, oh my God, gosh, these people are incredible. They're doing amazing things. They're so wonderful. And it pushed me to be even better um, and, and to do to do greater things and to work harder. So I think first and foremost, it's it's your environment. It's, it's who you're spending the most of your time with. I'm going to take that thought and add to it, not who you're spending the most time with, but who you're investing time with. Because when you're investing time with people who are growth-minded, when you're investing time with people who are like-minded, committed to a cause greater than the present moment, you really get an exponential multiplier back. This is one of the reasons that I appreciate and value my relationships that I have through Strategic Coach with Dan Sullivan. It's one of the reasons that you and I have been talking of of how we can build. And, and I think when we reached 300 episodes of this podcast, it was very clear that a lot of people view this as a community. Um, we've never really formalized it, but I'm looking for ways to begin to formalize that community to bring people together from financial brands, banks, credit unions, fintechs, so that we're all learning, we're all growing together so that together we can continue to outwit the devil, to transform fear into fuel for future growth. And so as we start to wrap up, I wanna come back to the four fears that I started this conversation with, the ones that I see day in and day out from financial brand leaders that some are aware of, some are not aware of, but it's these four fears, they hold us all back. They have the potential to hold us back from creating a, an even bigger, better, brighter future and, and how to move beyond them. So first and foremost, fear of the unknown. If someone is struggling with the fear of the unknown, which I, I, I tend to see when it comes to digital growth and the idea of the age of AI and exponential technologies driving exponential change, how can someone listening or watching overcome the fear of the unknown that's holding them back? Oh, education. Absolutely. Learning, investing, you know, setting a time aside to learn, to invest uh, in your future. And, you know, we've done, we've done surveys and a majority of people are spending what, what is it less than uh, or an hour, it's, maybe it's, a it's, week? It's about 78% of financial brand leaders invest one to two hours or less each week yeah. to learning. Yeah. So I, I mean, obviously it's, it's just not becoming a, you know, uh, a habit for, for a lot of people. And, and sadly, it, I don't think it's because they don't want to learn. I think it's, they're, they're busy, you know, they're busy doing, and they feel this pressure from, from others, you know, higher up in the organization to, to get things done. And so they don't feel maybe confident enough to set that time aside. And so I think that's really where the leadership comes in. Confidence and faith. Is, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, as a leader, you know, you, you maybe have to nudge, you know, let your, let your uh, team members know that, you know, it's okay to take some time to learn. In fact, we encourage you, we will, we will empower you, you know, send them on conferences or to workshops and, and know that it's okay. You know, just because you're not producing something, you know, an outcome, you know, in the moment, learning is still an investment, you know, for the future. There was a futurist and I can't think of who he was, but he wrote back in the 1970s that those in this age that we're in right now, the illiterate, if you will, of the 21st century will be those who cannot learn 
unlearn and relearn. And so when we gain clarity into the unknown, we begin to see things from a different perspective. And when we see things from a different perspective, that's going to transform the way that we think. We think about the future. And, and once again, environment plays a tremendous role. And so if you're around people who are growth-minded and they're looking at the future as bigger, as better, as brighter, um, you will see an exponential multiplying effect. But then also we must be mindful of the next fear that holds us back, which is fear of, of change. How, how can someone listening or watching overcome the fear of change? Because it is... We, we can gain that knowledge, but then to make that commitment, to take that step, we're going to have to possibly change some some things. Yeah. And this is a hard one, especially in our industry, when you consider uh, the Colby of, mm. of the average, uh, you know, banker, it's, it is going to be a little bit resistant to change, you know, very protective of, of things that are working, but change is inevitable. You know, we have to change if we're going to grow and level up. And so one of the things that we teach over here is the 90 day growth method, which, you know, you come together every 90 days, you set your goals and then revisit them the next quarter. And I think really focusing on, on quarter by quarter, which I know a lot of people do annually annual, annual plans, uh, which we tend to fall off on that quarter kind of keeps us accountable. So we don't, we don't fall off and, and kind of forget what our, what our goals are. And we're constantly revisiting and, and getting kind of a status update. Yes. And when you commit to the 90 day growth method, you are committing to creating space and time to learn, to think, to do, to execute what you're, what you've learned, what you're thinking about, but also just as important, if not more important to review what you've done, because when you review what you've done, that creates learning opportunities to think, to then do even better over the next 90 days. Yeah. Well, and it's like the what's going well method. I mean, it's kind of instilling that positive subconscious thinking, those self affirmations, which that is one of the things that Napoleon Hill writes about to, you know, to escape this, this drifting is, you know, celebrate yourself, celebrate your wins and your victories. Yes. And, and that's the thing when, when you begin to celebrate and, and look for the positive, even in challenging times, even in times of what can be perceived as a failure, that's where you begin to transform fear and failure into fuel for future growth. And so someone who is listening or watching, they're like, okay, I, I'm struggling with a little bit of fear of failure right now. How can they practically transform that failure into fuel for future growth? So I mentioned this earlier, but it was living out the uh, best case, worst case scenario yeah. and, and talking through that. And I think, you know, it's okay to have fear. It is okay that a fear is an emotion. It's okay to feel fear. There's nothing wrong with that. And so I want to, you know, make it clear that no one's saying you have to walk around super positive and like optimistic all the time. It's natural to have fear. And I think it's important to acknowledge that fear and Very work so. through it, but not have it, you know, affect your, your decision-making, you know, acknowledge it, think about it, feel it, you know, feel the worst case scenario play out, you know, in, in your, in your mind and in your heart, um, acknowledge it, but then make your decision accordingly and, and not because of fear. Yes. And, and I think that leads us to the last fear, the one that I said, I'm probably most aware of myself, which is fear of success. So for someone who is listening or watching and they're like, that's me. I, I let fear of success get in the way of my own future growth potential how can they practically overcome this? So one of the other frameworks that we have is uh, how do you want to grow? And grow is an acronym for your goals, 
roadblocks and opportunities. And, you know, I think a lot of us are used to, to writing out our goals, but we don't really think about the roadblocks or the opportunities. And, and for me personally, thinking through those roadblocks is the most powerful because you're almost like planning for those situations to arise potentially. Yeah. So when they do, you're a little bit more prepared, you might have a little plan of how you might overcome them. So taking the time to not just pick your goals, but what are the roadblocks that might occur and how might we, we be able to overcome those? And then what are the opportunity opportunities ahead? You know, thinking about the, how do you want to grow framework? I would say that has been one of the most helpful tools for me personally to overcome some of my fears of success because it provides a path forward. I get real clear into what the goals are then the roadblocks in the present moment that stand in the way of those future goals for growth, but the mind and the way that the mind works and operates, it, it loves questions and it loves solving problems. And when you get those opportunity, those get those roadblocks out on paper or on a whiteboard, the mind will immediately go to work to look for ways, look for opportunities to transform those roadblocks into a path to move forward, to make progress towards those future goals for growth. So this has been such a fantastic, wonderful conversation to, to, to go behind the cover, to, to outwit the devil together, to transform very common failures that we all experience. And it's okay to experience those, those, those fears, those fears of failure, those fears of the unknown, the fear of change, uh, the fear of success. It's, it's okay to experience these fears, but if we let them limit us it's there we have to ask the question, are we building a foundation for future growth on fear or is it on faith and confidence that the future will be bigger, it will be better, it will be even brighter than it is today. So thank you, Audrey, for joining me for another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth Podcast. How can someone continue the conversation that we started here today with you? Yeah, absolutely. You can reach out to me uh, on LinkedIn, Audrey Canada. Always open to hear any any book suggestions that you might have or, or any conversations there. So definitely reach out and say hi. Connect with Audrey, learn with Audrey, grow with Audrey. Until next time, and as always, be well, do good, and be the light. <laughs> <laughs>